friends, and welcome back to another episode of These Five Songs. Uh, being a band right now is tough, and, you know, feeling rusty after months without practicing, not being able to communicate with other members, this must be especially tricky, even if you're releasing a brand new EP, especially so. Uh, luckily, for Courage My Love, its two founding members, twins Mercedes and Phoenix Arn Horn, don't have much choice in the matter. <laughs> Mercedes and Phoenix, hello. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. How are how are the two of you? We're good. We are isolating, but like you said, we're together, so it's not all bad. Yeah. And we do have a home studio, so that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, we've pretty much just been really trying to use this time productively. I know everybody's saying that, but just really trying to use it so that we don't regret, you know, kind of wasting this time off, you know? Totally. Yeah. And uh, you're a band that kind of like, I, I feel like you found a way to communicate with your audience long before, like all these live streams kind of started popping up recently. Um do you find that like with the lockdown, it's made you try new ways to, to promote the band and, and the new EP? Um, yeah, like it, I, we always tried to find ways of doing stuff online. Like you said, like before any of this kind of went down, mm -hmm. but yeah, now, I mean, there's not really much else you can do at the moment. So yeah, it's definitely, it's not like, how we planned on promoting the EP, but yeah. um, it's still been like a good challenge and it's been rewarding for us too, because as, as weird as it might sound, like doing live streams and getting even just that little bit of interaction with uh, people on the outside, it's usually the best part of our day when we do those. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice reminder that people are out there and, you know, they care. And it's it's been interesting because we see a lot of artists are kind of going about this differently. So some people are just postponing their releases. And just like, you know, we've had to postpone tours. We had a UK tour and a USA tour that probably won't be happening until the end of the year now. Yeah. But we thought like we still wanted to release this EP. We didn't want to have to postpone it. Um, and we thought like, you know what? When those gigs open up again, we're confident people will come out and want to hear the songs live. But we may as well give people something to occupy their time and listen to and enjoy while they're all stuck inside. Totally, yeah. And I, I think like it's it's also kind of um, this whole situation is almost like transforming so many different types of media, like whether it be mm -hmm. um, like with film, uh, like AMC theaters announced today that they're not going to be carrying any universal movies because Trolls <laughs> World Tour <laughs> got put out uh, like on VOD and they're upset because they wanted, you know, the 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 studio oh. to wait um until theaters reopened right so like mm -hmm. there's so many shifting things even with like music and the way that music's going to be released after this it's it's pretty interesting from that perspective dang that's crazy holy crap yeah, yeah all I, because I of read trolls. something yeah trolls <laughs> such a random movie you know what i yeah. mean for them to get like pissed about but whatever <laughs> It's made like so much money though, just from this VOD situation. Like I think I was reading like a hundred million dollars in its first like week of of just VOD, which is crazy. Anyway, it's this isn't uh this isn't the trolls cast. So. 
let, let's get into uh, the first song. Um, the the songs that uh, the two of you picked were songs that influenced like the writing of of Spectra, which is mm-hmm. the new EP, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so let's start right away. Cindy Lauper, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" off the <laughs> album. She's so unusual. Released October fourteenth, nineteen eighty three. Uh, I feel like this was a very defining sound um, in the song for the nineteen eighties, especially being eighty three and kind of influenced like this whole era of synth pop which uh spectra seems to to draw a lot of influence from so why this song well i mean we have a song on the spectra ep yeah called girls yeah <laughs> and um it's it's our it's out now actually um mm-hmm. and then we pretty much directly reference girls just want to have fun like we kind of took the hook and made it girls just want to be loved instead of girls just want to have fun. Yeah. So it's, you know, we didn't steal, you know, the the whole melody or anything, but it's like a blatant homage, I guess I would say, to that song. Um, and it like kind of a twist, you know, because the song Girls, like our song, is all about um, respecting women. And then, you know, on the flip side of that, the effects that toxic masculinity can have both on men and women and um, basically just how you should probably go about treating people. And, uh, you know, girls shouldn't be viewed as these creatures that are just kind of um, glib and very, um, you know, skin deep surface level. Like we crave respect and love and stuff like that in real ways. And so that's what the song was about. And so we wanted to take, girls just want to have fun like the concept of that but make it a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. so that's why we chose that song because it it, that was like the first one that came into my head because i was like that's literally the song (laughs) that inspired the concept of our song (laughs) and and when did it like when did you kind of decide that you wanted to to take this this idea um from 1983 and kind of flip it on its head almost like was that kind of the the beginning of the process for this song um well we when we were writing uh that song we'd already kind of established that we wanted to um make a, a synth wave inspired album mm-hmm. um and then so uh, like actually a lot of the songs on the album are inspired by uh either production styles from the 80s or other songs and artists from the 80s but yeah just like the subject matter of that song kind of um was what i guess like drove us to kind of pick that song because um it just seemed like it was like an obvious fit and uh yeah like we did we kind of wanted to just like turn it on its head a little bit we've got another song on the ep called original and that one isn't out yet and it's funny because that song the lyrics of that song are literally all references to other songs from the 80s and then the tagline at the end is I'm better than the original, but it's kind of ironic because literally all the lyrics are, are referencing other songs from the 80s that have okay, already cool. been done. Thanks. Yeah. So I think it's important when you're trying to nail a genre or sort of a time, like a nostalgic vibe, that you have some solid references. And uh, we already were like uh, Lopper fans. So it just, you know just the her vocal style 
her, like you said, the production, guitar work, bass work. I think you can totally hear it in girls, especially because it's got that bouncy kind of funky bass line. So, yeah, we we were just really influenced by it. Totally. Uh, and I, I also love all the the weird like xylophone, I think, <laughs> sounds in, in this song. Like it, um, it, it just the whole thing is it feels so like when you think of of the 80s, um, I feel like this song kind of springs to mind. Uh, mm-hmm. pretty early on and and it's interesting too because the song uh its peak on the billboard chart in the states was number two but it never actually hit number one which kind of uh i don't know kind of shocks me since like I, yeah i still hear this song so frequently but yeah, it's such an iconic song mm-hmm. and i feel like the lyrics of that song even though like it seems very surface level, like, oh, girls just want to have fun. They just want to party or whatever. I think it, in its way, it was sort of a um, statement about how women can be wild and free and, you know, they don't, don't have demure. to. Yeah, they don't have to be demure and like these perfect sort of um, creatures. So in its own sense, I think it was sort of a feminist anthem. And totally, yeah. that's why we kind of since girls on REP we we wanted it to have that same kind of energy but maybe be a little bit more instead of like oh yeah girls just want to be crazy and wild and free it's more about like we want to be respected as equals and stuff like that so uh yeah it was just a good fit honestly yeah okay um and moving on to the next song uh the 1975 somebody else off the album i got a, a deep deep breath for this uh i like it when you <laughs> sleep uh for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it released february 26th 2016 um fantastic song this was mm. kind of like the band's biggest song in the states at that point um and their highest charting single uh mm. And I, I love how in this song, Maddie is kind of like contradicting his own message, you know, like at the core, yeah. it's, it's like this ballad about lost love, but then he's conflicted in his own writing, like in the bridge, um, you know, fuck that, get money, that whole thing. Like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Why, why this song? Um, well, so uh, like I said before, we'd already kind of been inspired by the synthwave movement and a lot of um 80s pop kind of production elements mm-hmm. and we felt like somebody else was kind of um the 1975's uh synthwave homage because it, w- it was kind of like their take on like an 80s like ballad you know what i yeah. mean but they did it in a really cool modern way so i don't know that i think it was inspiring to us because it kind of showed a modern band that's like on the cutting edge of um, like dictating like alternative rock and they're kind of reaching back for that throwback sound. So I don't know, it was inspiring to us to see other artists do that and do it successfully. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, like, as you said, uh, like the, the 1975's first record um, is, is like an alt rock kind of that whole, indie rock movement um at the mm-hmm. time and, and then going to this it's it's so interesting like um and it works they they kind of every album like changed their sound but they're they're still the 1975 yeah definitely yeah. that's like one thing i think we've always admired about like 
the well the 1975 but also bands like radiohead and just mm-hmm. bands that from album to album they do take like liberties stylistically and they try to kind of make different albums every time and yet they still have a sound that is them you know the essence of that artist is still there with every release yeah exactly Um, yeah it's it's hard to do but it's definitely cool when a band can pull it off (laughs) if you've heard our older stuff it's so different from our stuff now like and it's come back to bite us so many times (laughs) where it's like you know people will think about how we sounded in 2011 or 2014 and then they check out our new stuff and they're like what <laughs> and you know or even on on spotify like our popular songs most of them are new but still like our very first single to this day remains up there as one of our most popular songs and it's so different from our other stuff yeah and so i think yeah that's why we, we kind of have a soft spot in our heart for artists that are able to evolve and kind of grow their sound but keep the heart of that, you know, of that project there throughout. So, cause that's what we've always wanted to do or tried to do. Totally. Um, and, and like, like I said, the 1975, even before like um, the first record, they were playing um, for a long time under different names. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, at some points, like literally being like a pop punk band and doing covers <laughs> of, of Fall Out Boy songs. Uh, so I, I want to go back to 2010 uh lana mcquade battle the bands in stratford <laughs> uh the show that got courage my love signed uh to warner music <laughs> canada uh did you think at the time like was you know were you playing this show and thinking like oh yeah this is this is gonna happen <laughs> or was it just like oh it's another show it's so funny because the night before that, I remember we had like a house party. We were at like a house party or something. We'd played another Battle of the Bands. Oh, yeah, that's okay. And then Part had a house party after. Because we were teenagers. We were like 16 or something. And mm-hmm. then we, I remember the next day, we were all so groggy and hungover and tired. And just like, I was just throwing a full like lead singer diva fit like... <sighs> at 16 years old just like i'm never doing back-to-back shows again and then you know we'd never been on tour before that we didn't know anything about like what touring was like so back-to-back shows were like too much for us at that time so we almost didn't play it because we were just like oh we feel like crap but we did it anyway and i'm so glad we did because like you said that's that's how we met our managers and then they got us our booking agent and like our um our record deal and everything like that and that was sort of the start of everything but Mm. at the time it really like it almost didn't happen for real like it was so close to not happening (laughs) (laughs) um and like you know was was that a stressful time because like you said like you know the idea of playing like two back-to-back battle the bands was (laughs) was you know like a complicated thing so i mean at, at that age you're not really prone to like touring or everything you know anything like that so was that kind of difficult for the two of you like um it's just funny because it's like I don't know it's we always wanted to like we totally would watch like warp tour dvds and like be like oh yeah we want to play warp tour one day man and like just get so hyped and want to live that life so badly and so it's just funny because yeah I don't know we I think like we grew into it eventually like obviously when touring opportunities came but yeah before that we were just 
like kids just playing random local shows. And now that we've played two full summers of Warp Tour, we know like what the reality of it is. <laughs> yeah. But at that time, I don't recall it being stressful. Like no. I think we that was almost at, like we were at our purest back then because we had no real idea of what the industry was like or yeah. we we had no concept of trying to like top our last release or just like you know even the live shows like we obviously wanted to be good but we weren't stressing about performing it was just like we were just filled with joy at the time and we weren't really thinking about anything else and that's why it's good that we met our managers there because they were able to kind of rein us in a bit and like help us focus on the things we're supposed to be focusing on like sounding good live and all that kind of stuff (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And also like at that age, yeah, like you said, like, it's just, um, there's no like cynicism or like, you know, you're not, you're not (laughs) jaded yet. You haven't really hit that like kind of that. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The road hasn't sucked you dry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, but yeah, 1975, uh, somebody else, I I also Mm. noticed, um, like the beginning of girls also kind of has like that similar, um, intro that somebody else oh yeah yeah. definitely those uh that dx7 keys yeah Yeah. they're like very classic in the 80s for sure (laughs) um all right and so moving on to the next song fine young cannibals she drives me crazy off the album the raw and the cooked released february 20th 1989 i don't know why but i really don't like that title (laughs) uh yeah that album (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. Uh, so this band was formed after um, the band The Beat, otherwise known as The English Beat, and the US and Canada dissolved. Um, and guitarist Andy Cox and bassist David Steele recruited vocalist Roland Gift, and then they put out their first self-titled album in 85, um, but it wouldn't be until 1989 that the band found success with this song. Uh, so how did this song kind of play into the writing of Spectra? Well, I think just for drum sounds alone, the production style, like we, we kind of got obsessed with the snare tone in that song. You got obsessed. I got obsessed with it. I shouldn't say that we did because it was more I, me. Yeah, but... I have notes about the snare here because like that's also the first thing that I pick. It's it's so like just loud and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, abrasive kind of. Um... Definitely. It's like I forget there someone told me they layered like um like a Roland drum machine snare or something with like um the under they mic'd like the underside of like a, a regular snare. So it's just got like a really crazy tone. Yeah, and... I I was actually so I was I was doing some research. What they did was they like removed the the head off a snare drum in yeah. the studio and then they would like he was whacking it with a wooden ruler and then <laughs> bl- he blended in an electronic snare sound then he took the speaker with the snare sounds that he just recorded and he put it upside down on top of another snare drum and then recorded that with a microphone underneath wow that's like <laughs> some next level like right? <laughs> sound design think about that? Like, i know yeah how do you come up with that but yeah basically like that song it i don't know it just has like a really um identifiable sound and it starts with like the drums which is i feel like that's kind of hard to it's like a big feat to be able to identify a song just from like a pretty common drum backbeat you know yeah 
Um, so then, yeah, in our song, um, original, original and, uh, actually slow motion from the EP, you can hear there's like a, a, I tried to get like a snare sound that was like kind of similar, like reminiscent of it. So it's kind of that like crunchy. I couldn't quite get, I mean, like I didn't mic the, I didn't do all that, but I didn't hit anything with a ruler, but I tried to kind of make kind of like a harsh, like identifiable snare sound. Just because I feel like that's, I don't know, it's cool to have some weird thing like that, that people will, like, we're talking about it now, and that song was recorded so long ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Totally. Uh, also, I should note that a cover was recorded uh, by Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy <laughs> uh, for the 1994 album Kermit Unpigged. <laughs> uh, so, th- this song is actually, I-, I looked it up, it's been covered like 30 times wow um, yeah, yeah. But, probably but it's yeah there's like <laughs> there's there's just that that snare sound i think is iconic and especially his vocals are are so like memorable just his strange mm-hmm. inflection it's it's great yeah the, i love the falsetto in the verses yeah he i was up so high i was just gonna say the verse in that song I, like the chorus is a banger obviously but almost the verses are like my fave part of that song just because like the vibe is so good in the vocals. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, She Drives Me Crazy, Fine Young Cannibals. Uh, let's move on to the next song, uh, Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, off the album Songs from the Big Chair, released February 25th, 1985. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think if this song came out now, in-, in 2020, it would weirdly fit in because I'm kind of starting to hear this like sort of guitar tone sprinkled like all around new music mm-hmm. um and i can also kind of hear that on spectra so uh mm-hmm. why why this song honestly when the ep comes out and you hear the songs that aren't released yet you'll probably mm-hmm. notice that even more because okay. the reason we picked this song as one of our five is because of the guitar work on it i love the guitar work and it's really close to a song on our ep called original but also the six eight groove in it just that like 16th note high yeah over top of like like that kind of rhythm it's such a groove and then you know the bass lines just everything feels so good you can't help but bob your head and like it's so groovy so we just we really we knew that we had to have a song on our EP that was that 6-8 type groove. And we honestly, we either were going to pick this song or like a Michael Jackson song. Because um, it's just so iconic for that time in the 80s. And we wanted, we don't have any other songs in that groove besides original. So we were just like, okay. Like we went into the song just being like no concept of like what we wanted it to be about no riff really in place or anything yet all we knew is we were like let's write a song in six eight like the tears for fears group (laughs) and so we did and it's like my favorite one maybe on the ep and it was just so fun and it it honestly flowed out so easy just because that i don't know what it is it's just the magic groove like so easy to write over yeah. just i don't know drums like that are so like fun to write over vocals and guitar riffs bass riffs like i i honestly was living my best life when we were recording <laughs> that it was so fun 
Um, I should also mention, I, I completely forgot this. So this episode is coming out uh, the Thursday after Spectra. So Spectra is actually now, it's out. True. Oh, it's, it's out in the world. Out. It's, it's out, out in the world. Right it's out right <laughs> now. You can listen to it. You can listen to these songs that we're talking about. There you um, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Okay, uh, good. Check out original. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. Now, now you know. Um, <laughs> so I, I do feel like the, the one great thing about the song, it just like, it keeps adding all these more interesting parts um, mm-hmm. on top of that kind of groove and mm-hmm. like <clears throat> like that massive first bridge that just like comes out of nowhere and then it just decompresses and just kind of carries on. Um, and then like the two guitar solos, it's there's there's so much going on, but it yeah, it just kind of rides that that groove. Yeah, definitely. It's cool how they kind of like they build off of it, you know, it, they, they add a lot uh and you know i think like the chords and the structure doesn't change too much but it still kind of feels like a journey like they just keep adding to it and then taking it away it's like really effective mm-hmm. um and, and it's it's interesting too like this song was a last minute addition to the album apparently wow uh, and it was recorded in like a week uh and then swiftly just kind of added to the record and they were they kind of just thought like ah, oh, it's like some like light filler um for the album and Dang. It, you know became their biggest song it's uh, <laughs> so funny that's like a that, i've heard that story so many times about different yeah. artists like the one that no one thinks is gonna be you know it's just the sleeper they think it's gonna be the sleeper and then it ends up being their biggest success like there's so many artists with that story and Have you ever it's had funny. a song that that is like either either that case or like the opposite end of the you know the yeah definitely like... the opposite like we've had one <laughs> where our label was pushing for this one song that none of us liked so hard they were pushing so hard and we were just like no it's not good we don't like it and then they were just like we'll just just try it just record it and they literally used that story you know like from all these other bands they're like you know radiohead didn't like creep and it's their biggest song you know what i mean just stuff like that so we were like okay fine maybe we just don't hear it um but we ended up actually i guess i i do like the way the song turned out now we just ended up really changing it from from what it was in the beginning and now the song is tough love on synesthesia but it it, let me tell you when like the demo that our yeah you do not the demo our label was in love with is trash i'll I'll straight up (laughs) just say it's so bad but at least it turned out okay in the end (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like that and i feel like that is the case a lot of the time like um even like it's it's come up in in a few episodes already like with you know blink 182 and like I think most of their most popular songs they don't like or they were mm-hmm. like really hesitant to to release it as a single. Um Dang. so it's interesting how that how that works. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's move on to the last song here. Uh the Cocteau Twins Sugar Hiccup off the album Head Over Heels released October 31st, 1983. Uh mm-hmm. Halloween night. Uh <laughs> so it's very uh shoegazy kind of and at a time in a time before shoegaze was really like a developed thing i guess um maybe this band and like jesus and mary chain um were like early examples mm-hmm. uh but yeah super hypnotizing like just really yeah 
cool, really cool song. Uh, <laughs> where where does this fit in um, on Spectra? It's funny because October 31st is actually Phoenix and my birthday. We were born oh, cool. on Halloween too, yeah. Uh, so I didn't even know the song came out then. I, when you said that, I was like, what? It's even more of a coincidence. Um, we just really love Cocteau Twins, like you said. Like I think that they were so ahead of their time. And they have so many good songs. Um, the only reason we picked, like we narrowed it down to that particular song is because we recently covered the song and released it like we have our own recording of it um and we covered it because we were just so influenced by them and they have a lot of great songs but we wanted to pick one that hasn't been covered a million times so we picked that one um but yeah i love the guitar work the uh the washy beautiful chords and the tones and the melodies and stuff the drums you know that the really kind of what is it like the delay on the snare like like, so a tape delay or something on the snare and it's super like uh it's funny because the drums don't actually change that much throughout the song but Mm. they don't really need to (laughs) like they're kind of just like keeping it going and i guess maybe that's like a shoegaze kind of thing like the drums are mostly pretty laid back and the guitar is kind of like front and center for most of it and we i love the dreaminess of it and it's just like this wall of sound but it's not aggressive it's just it really tickles me between the ears honestly it's just (laughs) a good song (laughs) so what what a tickler what a tickler of a track Um, yeah Uh, so yeah, like you said, uh, your, your admiration of this song kind of went as far as to, to cover it. Um, Mm -hmm. what was the process like to kind of like get down to the core of, of the song and dissect it and kind of develop your own cover of it? Well, it's crazy because honestly with covers, we usually try to make it super different from the original version, Mm -hmm. but because we just like respect the cocktail twins so much and we love that song so much we were i think kind of scared to stray too far from the original sound and like the sonics of it and normally when we do a cover like fiend says we try and change it and we try and make it our own and in my mind even this is kind of like i guess an arrogant way of thinking about it but i try and take my favorite elements of the song and then just make the rest of it better like do it how i wish it was type thing but with Sugar Hiccup, I already love the song. We we both already love the song and we couldn't think of ways to make it better other than adding some like omnichord and some like lush harmonies in the chorus. But mm-hmm. but literally everything else we were like, it's already perfect. We don't want to change it. So yeah. we tried to just make it as similar as possible yeah like like it was fun we just listened to the song like so much and then tried to pick apart each like guitar section you know like what kind of tone how they achieved that tone you know so that was a fun challenge because we're, we're kind of just trying to um to match something we came at it more as like the way a cover band like a really good cover band covers songs and they nail every little detail of it. That's kind of what we tried to do this time instead of reimagined song. It's hard when you really like a song to try to like make a cover because you're like, ah, oh, it's not, you know, it's never yeah. going to be as good as the OG one. <laughs> Especially totally. vocally, I really tried to even sound like her, you know, and she's got mm-hmm. such a unique voice. Like I really love her voice and 
it, you know, I she gives her in the song, even though it's a soft <laughs> song, you can tell she's belting at like capacity. So like, I was trying to do that too, and it was yeah, a fun challenge. <laughs> Do, do you think like um in, in doing this cover do you think that almost kind of gave you more inspiration uh to dive deeper into that sound for like future releases oh um, absolutely yeah absolutely because it's funny because um Sades, i guess in her like the voicing she uses for guitar and stuff she's always been somewhat influenced by shoegaze like those lush yeah. sounding chords mm-hmm. and it i don't know i think yeah d- definitely like recording the cover kind of prove to us oh yeah you know we can do that we can probably even try to pull it off so yeah when, when you're the only guitar player in a band that's like a three-piece you yeah. really like ha- I mean I always felt pressure to make everything sound really full when it's supposed to sound full you know so I was always trying to find ways of playing melody and rhythm at the same time so like lead guitar and rhythm guitar so I would always go about it by voicing my chords to be very um, lush and full sounding, but also dense, like a lot of notes rubbing together and then a melody note on top. So, yeah. So I I think shoegaze is great for that because the guitar is sort of like the lead yeah. in shoegaze, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And, and so that's, uh, the Cocteau Twins, Sugar Hiccup. Uh, so that, that is the, the full five songs that, uh, you know, serve as kind of a, I guess a companion, uh, to Spectra, which you can listen to right now. It is out. It's out. It's out. <laughs> it's out. It's out. Um, so I, I always ask, uh, the guest on the show uh, at the end of the episode, what did we learn today? that's a good one I think I learned I mean you definitely dug a lot deeper when you were researching those songs so I definitely learned a lot in that regard because you like pulled out some knowledge about recording and you know like where they were on the charts at the time um but I think like on a deeper level probably learned um just that you can be you can be influenced by music from any era you know like it doesn't always have to be what's cutting edge now that can influence you. Sometimes there's some artists that they stand the test of time, whether they're from the 80s or whether they're from 2020, you know, you can mm-hmm. draw influences from people that were, you know, just writing good music that'll still be around, you know, for years to come. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with the amount of research that you did, uh, honestly. Um and then especially even figuring out how they got this snare sound on <laughs> drives me crazy. I think I learned from that um, not to be afraid to experiment and try weird things because you never know what is going to get you your desired result. And if you don't experiment, if you don't kind of think out of the box, you're going to be in the box and just doing the same thing over and over again. So um yeah, just go for it. Try weird and wacky techniques. You never know. Totally. Go for it, everyone. Uh, go <laughs> for it and and go listen to Spectra. It's out now. Uh, thank you so much, Mercedes and Phoenix uh, of Courage My Love for coming on the show today. Thank uh, you. Thanks for having us. Really this great. was great. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, cool. All right. So uh, 
that concludes today's episode. We got a new episode coming out next week. Make sure to subscribe, tell a friend, and stay safe, everyone. Yay!